Hi everyone and welcome to 21 Questions, the podcast where we tackle 21 big questions about life, faith and Christianity in about 20 minutes during 2021. Yeah, my name is Rich Jones and I'm a pastor at Living Rock Church and have been for the last 16 years and I'm here with my good friend and my colleague Mike Shooter who's worked with the youth for the past 10 years and is part of the leadership team at Living Rock. So this is episode three and the whole series is available on YouTube, um, on our YouTube channel, Living Rock Church. And we have also set up a 21 questions playlist so they're easy to find. You can also get audio versions of the podcast on all major podcasting platforms and you can just search 21 questions or you can head over to livingrock.church forward slash 21 questions and you can find everything there. And all the links you could ever need will be in the description down below. That's quite Um, a commitment. Sorry? That's quite a commitment. It's good. (laughs) It's quite a commitment. But today we are want to talk about our third question, and uh, it's very much around our identity, who am I, uh, and purpose, uh, but mainly, why am I here? What is my purpose? Yeah, I, it's one of those things, I think, particularly in the West, West, you know, modern Western culture, we're so busy. Um, it's kind of like a phrase everybody says, how are you doing? I'm really busy. And our lives are just full of stuff, you know? It, We've moved from the uh, age of information to the age of interruption, I heard somebody say once, because there's always stuff going on in our lives. Our phones are pinging, we've got TVs, we've got things to listen to, we've got things to watch, things to read, work, um, get into the gym, all the different things that we're involved with. And I think those things can really fill our lives and and distract us from the big questions. And so it's good to take time sometimes to think, okay, well, why am I here? You know, is there more to life than this? Is this really it? And, and I think those times we sort of shaken out of our um, normal everyday lives and and, and the, the distractions of, that, that take place in, in different times. Sometimes I think we're shaken out of that during times of tragedy or times of difficulty mm. and challenge. I think sometimes there are great moments of joy that are so significant that they also cause us to ask the bigger questions. And I think sometimes just drudgery and the treadmill of life and the boredom, sometimes we're like, is this it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, am I just here to eat, sleep, work repeat or is there more to life than this yeah and you know it's asking the question is my is my life purely about studying working marrying having a family having a home retiring enjoying some leisure time and then dying and um i think for me that was um that was really what stirred my questioning of faith in the first place because i wasn't brought up in a christian home yeah great parents lovely family but when i got to 16 i just said you know is there more to life than this because i started mm-hmm. to think you know i've got to pick my options for my a levels and then i was thinking about all the other decisions i'll have to make and eventually thinking about retiring and then i just i just remember thinking one day is that it is that is that all there is and that led me on this place of exploration to say is there more to life than this? Because there's lots of other routes people can take, you know, yeah. rather than the um, quote unquote, what would probably be classed as like the American dream um, mm. that seems to have been adopted. Um, but even in those things, I was still asking, what what's the point of it all? Really? Yeah. Is my ultimate goal to be a great bowls player, a great golfer, or a great dominoes player? And it's like you're like lining your ducks up to get to that point. <laughs> or, or, you know, or maybe it's like, am I here just to live? For pleasure and the experience uh, you know that I get in life and mm-hmm. um, it was a few years ago now but in London there was the British Atheist Association um, did an advertising campaign on London buses I think they were sick of mm-hmm. 
Christian, um, you know, things like Alpha and stuff being promoted on the side of buses. And and it was, it purely said this, you know, God's probably not real. So, or God, sorry, God probably doesn't exist. Now stop worrying and enjoy life. And it's kind of like, what? It's not a great committed <laughs> statement, is it? He probably oh, doesn't exist. <laughs> quite famous, you know, well-renowned atheists who've come out, humanists who are really embarrassed by that campaign. But I think it's like, you know, there are so many people who don't have the opportunity to enjoy life because their life circumstances don't afford them that opportunity. And, um, and you know, there's that whole thing of living for the weekend, pursuing this kind of dream of self-fulfillment or finding your real self, the real you, or pursuit of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, roll and, and all of that stuff, or, or just kind of boils down to, am I here just to continue the existence of my species? You know, if I'm, if there's no ultimate purpose in the universe, which we've talked about before is, being the only really atheist perspective, um, mm. if, you know, we're here by chance and therefore I'm here to play my part in enabling humanity to continue to evolve through time. I'm here, yeah. I do that and I go again. You know, is it really as cold and as clinical as that? And if it is, then why do we feel such intense emotions in life? Purely that's not just a biomechanical process going on in our brains. I think when we um, understand that the immense love that we have for others it might be our, our, our spouse, our partner, our, you know, our better half or whatever. Uh, as a parent, when you have a newborn baby that's, you, you know, your, your newborn son or daughter is born and you hold them in your arms, the intense emotions that you feel. Um, am I just here because, you know, I'm here to protect my mate and my young? Or is there actually something behind that, something even bigger? You know, we're, we're often, I think, impacted by profound beauty. It could be a loving relationship um, as a parent or a child or, or a spouse. It could be... Um, touched by a piece of art or cinema or architecture or we hear a piece of music or we see a stunning piece of landscape or um, a wonder of nature and, and I just think those things that seem to like lift us to a higher plane there's something sort of seemingly spiritual about them make me think there's, there's a real validity in asking actually is is, is the am I just here as a as this biomechanical entity that's kind of here and then I'm gone or is there more is there something behind all of those things yeah the questions around why am i here as well they i mean they've been it's not just me at 16 that's asking that question they've been asked by you weren't a pioneer on that one no <laughs> yeah no not at all um, <laughs> but, i mean they've been asked by philosophers and thinkers for centuries and you know that's why we have you know so much greek philosophy and all that cool. kind of stuff and everything that preceded that as well um and in fact you know even you know, longer before then, that question is explored in the Bible itself, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Do you think you could tee us up with a bit of a kind of overview of Ecclesiastes? Given that, give us oh, I'd love to, Mike. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, you're right. The book of Ecclesiastes is dated 3,000 years um, old. So written by King Solomon, who was a king in Israel, and probably the most glamorous, glorious king in in. Jewish history in many ways uh, you know he was incredibly rich incredibly famous he built phenomenal buildings wonderful architecture he had a fleet of ships he had hundreds of beautiful wives and concubines he was renowned for his wisdom and his intelligence and his understanding about nature and the world around him mm -hmm. he ate the best food he drank the best wine he wore the finest clothes he was probably really annoying and handsome with all of that as well um <laughs> and it's like if there's one person that sort of you boil it all down had it all um, genuinely, I don't know what you what you'd want to add to Solomon's life or experience and what he enjoyed to say, uh, yeah, but he's missing this. Mm. Um, he he had everything, and yet 
he's writing a book at the end of his life and he's reflecting on everything that he's enjoyed and, and experienced deals with the loads of ancient and modern thinking. And it, it's a really, if you read it, it's very contemporary. It's very up to date because he covers a lot of things that are still very much the philosophies and, and, and thinking and, and things that apply to our lives today. He talks about existentialism. Um, you know, the philosophy that we all have free will. Um, we're essentially born as a blank canvas and we have the power to determine the course of our own lives and our identity, if you like, our essence is created by our experiences, that what we do, of, of what we do in the universe. And actually, ultimately, the universe, there's no real purpose. It's just about us fulfilling our potential and then disappearing off the scene again. Mm. He picks up stuff around hedonism, you know, which is ultimately the pursuit of pleasure. It's all about eat, drink, um, be merry, because essentially tomorrow we're going to die. So let's just suck the marrow out of life and just enjoy it. Or stuff around materialism, you know, essentially all that matters is matter. So um, matter is the one thing that kind of is throughout time and we're, we're physical material beings, if you like, and we live in a material world. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a material girl, but <laughs> that, that all that we have around us, this physical realm is, is all that's there. There is no spiritual element. There is no God in that. Um, it's, it's, it, it deals with pessimism. It's like even things that seem good, actually, at the end, they're just bad, you know. <laughs> They're not, they're not good at all. He, he also, he's pretty chauvinistic um, yeah. in some of the things that he, some of the ideas he explores that men are superior to women and is where, where the men are number one and therefore uh, women are there to essentially meet man's needs, which doesn't go down so well anymore. And I think that's fair. Although no, really. some guys just really <laughs> believe that. Um, and he also picks up really positive things. He picks up stuff about the pursuit of enlightenment and learning, uh, the significance of education. He talks about the importance of work and being able to enjoy the fruits of our labor. He uh, picks up the themes around uh, the desire that we have, uh, hu humanitarian desire to help others and to benefit our fellow man, um, the value of relationships, of family and having a home. And so he explores all of those things, the good, the bad, the indifferent, mm -hmm. um, He's experienced them all, and he's come to this ultimate conclusion <laughs> in two or three words is it's meaningless. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's, but that's a really important conclusion, actually, because he isn't saying that all these things are, aren't fun or no. enjoyable or give us temporary sense of satisfaction, or even he's not even saying they're all wrong. He's just saying that they only provide a temporary fulfillment. Yeah. And... You know, it also highlights that God isn't really looking for people who just do the right thing in the sense of um, all their actions being perfect. But he's also looking for that to come from the right place and a right heart, because yeah. that's often where we seem to find real purpose. It's not in the doing itself necessarily, but the reasoning behind it, working, seeking the benefit of our fellow man, caring for family, friends. These are all things that God commands us to do. Like as yeah. Christians, they're the basis of the outworking of our faith. However, that's always under the leading, the guiding of God and, and for his glory, ultimately for him, not for ourselves, not for our own sense of fulfillment, but yeah. so that God um, has the world that he desires. Yes. Yeah. And I think Solomon probably starts understanding that and he seems to lose the thread of that in his life. Mm -hmm. Like talked about the distractions of life. It's like all of those things crowd in and, and he starts to reevaluate everything and he understands that all of the things that he was actually pursuing ultimately were meaningless. And, 
Um, and he's talking about what is it that drives us? Do you say, what is it that motivates us? And, and you know, there's this phrase that comes up time and again, there's nothing new under the sun. And, and what he's wrestling with 3,000 years ago, we wrestle with today in 2021. Yeah. Um, you know, what is it that we're living for? And, and, you know, are the things that he experienced the pinnacle? Well, I don't think they are. He, in fact, he says, no, it's all empty. It's like chasing the wind. Mm. Um, and when I hear that phrase, you know, like chasing the wind, I, I'm reminded of... Um, the, the the some words from a scene from the film Gladiator, which like, I love that film. It's <laughs> a great film. And um, Proximo is uh, who's played by the late uh, Oliver Reed is talking to Maximus, who's played by Russell Crowe. And uh, Proximo says to Maximus, "We mortals are but shadows and dust, shadows and dust, Maximus." Hmm. And there's this <laughs> moment of he's just saying it's all futile, really. We, we're here and then we're gone and. Um, and and the, the futility of human life is nothing more than us. All we are is shadows and dust. We're here, then we're gone. Um, and and as I thought about it, you know, Oliver Reed said those words. And um, I had a little read about him. I, I remember growing up living in Surrey for a few years and we used to drive past his mansion. He had a 63-bedroom mansion. He was wow. probably in the 70s, one of the most famous British actors out there he turned down massive roles he just did what he wanted okay you know, known as being a hellraiser he rubbed shoulders with people like steve mcqueen and other top you know hollywood film stars he had fame he had money he pursued pleasure he slept with loads of women that's what he wanted to do he just said i wanted i want to to drink the pubs dry and sleep with every woman on the planet it's essentially what he wow. said he wanted that was his that was his purpose um and yet, at the age of 61, he collapsed on the floor of a pub in, in Malta on a Sunday morning, and his life ended. And I, and I, and then I listened to him say those words because he was actually had to be CGI added to the to the film because he died during the film, yeah, the production of Gladiator. And it's like, it's the irony almost that in the the words that were his line in the film kind of summarize his life. And it just yeah. makes me think there's got to be more to life than that. I can't. I just can't agree with with Oliver Reed on that. I just find that so empty. That really does feel meaningless, doesn't it? And 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 as you said, the Bible does give us a different perspective. Um, and we'll get back to Ecclesiastes, but but it for me the Bible helps us to understand um, that we can know in God who we are and why we're here. Yeah. Uh, and essentially, it boils down to this simple fact that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. And so I read something like um, a portion of Psalm 139, which was written by David. And Psalm 139, 16, David says these amazing words. He said, you saw me before I was born. He's saying to God, um, you saw me at the very beginning of my life. In fact, even before my natural birth, you saw me. Yeah. Um, that's an amazing statement. Yeah. He goes on to say in the same line of the poem, you know, every day of my life was recorded in your books. Not only does he know the beginning of our life, but he knows the length of our lives. And then he says, the end of this, just, just this one line of this, this psalm is every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. It's like God knows the beginning from the end. He knows the plan that he has for us. And for me, this is, uh, it's, a, it's a, a, a verse in the Bible that's packed with purpose. Yeah. God has a plan for you. Before you were born, he has a plan for you. While you live it, he has a plan for you. Even in death, there's, there's more um, beyond our physical lives on earth. And that there's a motive there's there's something in us to find out god's plan and fulfill it and that when we do that we're secure and we can even carry on and pursue those things when the going gets tough as well so i just love that just yeah. that one little verse for me starts to help us understand how the bible sees 
uh, purpose and identity in, in the light That's of God. Good. And when you talk about going back to Ecclesiastes, it, it um, does that book, uh, from your perspective, do, does he come with any conclusions? You know, is everything meaningless or does he find anything? Does Solomon, when he reflects and explores all of that, are there any things that he yeah. thinks actually here's the point of life? It's really, yeah. I mean, it's almost like he's 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 held onto this rope where God's on the other end, and when he's a young man, he's he's can see it, clearly see it, and then all of a sudden, it seems to be completely covered and smothered by a load of stuff. But he manages to somehow just find his way along, and then finally, at the end of his life, he's pulling it out of the rubble of stuff, and he's holding it up again, and he seems to come finally to a couple of conclusions. Okay. Um, seems to sort of rediscover his his um, his faith in God again, and. And I think it boils down to two things, really, is is that he understands the need to fear God, that we're actually made to have a relationship with God so that we can know God. Yeah. Um, and also then to 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 keep God's commandments. So to live in a way that honors God, you know, to live in line and in the light of the plan that God has for us to know him, to love him and to love others as well. OK. And um, and, and 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 those two things are. The things that he does come to a conclusion of he does seem secure on to fear god to, yeah. to believe in god and know god um that we can um we can't know why we're here until we know the one who's put us here yeah <laughs> like the knowing our creator will enable us to know why we're created yeah and um and that jesus came to bring us into a relationship with our creator with god so that when we put our trust in jesus we can find uh, a restoration of a relationship that was previously broken between us and God. And, and once that's restored, then we and ourselves are, are restored as well. That's the first point. Yeah. To know God. Um, I think that's a really important point as well for the society that we find ourselves in, because not only does Solomon touch on the things that actually are being uh, kind of explored in our own culture, but those conclusions, I think, help us in the same way, because there's a real drive at the moment for so many people to, to find their authentic self. Yeah. Find the, the person who they believe they really are, you know, behind all of the, the monotony of life and the things they have to do, who really are they? And it comes back to that existentialism question that we yeah. talked about earlier, this assumption that we're a blank canvas and kind of the stuff in the way, but we could, we can paint our authentic self. We can find out who we really are. If we, if we peel back the layers of stuff that we just do. Mm. Um, but I think the Bible paints quite a different picture to that actually. Uh, and I would say that the Bible for people indicates more that we're not so much a blank canvas as a paint by numbers. Yeah. <laughs> um, that actually we have the potential to be somebody who God wants us to be as a plan and a purpose for our life. And actually, we can spread paint wherever we want. We can spread muck wherever we want all over this picture. But ultimately, if you scrape that away, there is a design for us. There is a plan mm -hmm. for each person. And, um, you know, the Bible says that for each person, that's actually to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to to look like him, him mm -hmm. and to look like God and to reflect him. And so, you know, when we come to Jesus as Christians, we believe that he wipes off all the muck and all the, the paint that we've tried to do ourselves in our own strength with our own design and says, OK, no, here is what your life was supposed to look like. And yeah. I think the challenge for Christians, though, and Christianity and faith is that that's often been misconstrued that we're all supposed to look the same. You know, it's it's nuns and monks all wearing exactly the same stuff and shaving their hair in a certain way and behaving exactly the same in uniformity but actually 
what Jesus comes to show us is that Jesus, that God is so limitless. He's yeah. so incredible. He has all these different facets. Um, and actually in our differences, we reflect something of God that we can only do in our differences. Um, and that's the thing, you know, we, we do have free will to choose whatever we want to do. Um, but God wants us to choose the purpose that he's chosen for each one of us. And if you were to summarize it, I like how um, the purpose of man is summarized in something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is basically a teaching of the church. Right. And it's that's a the that's chief. That's sorry. Catchy title as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it basically says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. And I love that. And I'm really glad for me personally that God actually doesn't just expect us to know what to do, but gives us some direction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I just think we can't know ourselves until we know him. Um, no. We can't know why we're created until we know our creator. And, mm. and then the second thing is then that we we live in relationship with him. Um, you know, we follow him. We love him. Um, and we love others and in fact keeping god's commandments boils down to those two things you know jesus just boils it right down to that and he says if you follow me if you want to be like me then love god and love your neighbor as yourself and mm -hmm. and um and that's what jesus did and that's what he is calling us to do and and in doing that we live in a sense with a higher view and that we know that our earthly life isn't all there is that actually there's something beyond yeah. this it doesn't mean that we we don't um, invest ourselves in this life but equally, this isn't the end. There's actually an eternity as well. And yeah. that's a phenomenal part of understanding who we are and why we're here, that we're here for this life and beyond. Yeah. I mean, Jesus makes it really clear that we have to think like that because yeah. when we talk about eternity and the afterlife, we can't think of it as disconnected um, from the life that we're living here and now because yeah. we have a reward. We have something to seek after. And, you know, Jesus himself encourages to store up our treasure in heaven. You know, the, the good things we do, the, the things we give our attention to, the things we invest our money into. And yeah. it, he's talking about something much further beyond what we can see right now. Definitely. And I think, you know, different people will be listening to this. Some people will be listening with a Christian faith. I hope some people will be listening who are, are atheistic or are agnostic or, you know, because because we want this to be relevant and, and helpful and, and just throw something else into the mix, into the discussion. But I suppose it boils down to the question, can you say you know why you're here? Um, are you clear on what your life is for? Um, and I think these are really great, important questions that if we don't consider them enough, um, it'll be to our detriment in life and yeah. we mustn't let busyness and distractions or anything else rob us of asking that question exploring that question and yeah. just hope that what we've talked about today um, at least causes everybody that's listening whatever your belief whatever your faith is to think about that further yeah and to to kind of help with that and to to go on from that question um, we've asked the question why am I here um, and if our conclusion as Christians and is that um, it's to know him and to follow him, yeah. then the thing, um, the things that we're covering today and tears up nicely for our next question. How can I know that God is real? If we believe it's, you know, our purpose is to follow him, to know him, then how can we know he's real? So we'll explore that next time. Um, yeah. Thank you again for joining us today. And uh, we really pray that it's been really helpful for you. And we will see you next time on 21 yeah. Questions. Great, thank you.